If you have your Bible this morning, we're turning to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews in chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. And once you find the place, we're casting our eye down to verse 25. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. And we're reading on to the end of the chapter this morning. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. You know, dear men and women, this morning that Job could say that God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. And one of the great sins that the children of Israel, and indeed many of us here this morning are guilty of, is not heeding the voice of God. And I don't know what God has been saying to you in recent days. I don't know what God has been speaking to you about in your own soul. But one of the most dangerous things for the people of God to do is to refuse the word of God. And that's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is warning against here. Cast your eye again to verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving the kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. We live in a world today, it seems that everything and everywhere is marked by instability, insecurity and uncertainty. It seems to be that every in every area and every arena and every sphere of society it seems to be everything that men are putting their hands to is falling apart. You cast your eye at the financial world. The stock exchange is crumbling. You look at the, the shares are dropping. Fuel prices are rising. One of the common economists said in the days that have gone by, we're heading towards a global recession like the world has never seen before. There's a call for a worldwide, one global currency, cashless, and the whole thing seems to be crumbling. Everything seems to be shaking. Look at the medical sphere, the national sphere, wars and rumors of wars. Look at Russia, Ukraine, Iran, Israel. See the pride of men lifting their head and the tensions in Europe, and it seems to go on and on and on. 
Look at the global world this morning. Tsunamis and fires and floods. 2,000 earthquakes in the last month alone across the world. And everything seems to be shaking and everything seems to be crumbling. Look at the political world, the moral world. And everything that man seems to put his hand upon, we can only come to one conclusion, and that is that God is shaking the nations. God is shaking the nations. You take time sometime and read through the book of Haggai, and you'll discover there that the Lord said, Yet a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the dry land. There's coming a day when God will shake everything that can be shaken. And I don't know what your prop is this morning. Maybe you're putting all your time into investing your business. Maybe you're putting all your time into making money. Maybe you're putting all your time into getting fame or popularity. My dear men and women this morning, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. You go through the Bible sometime and you'll discover that God can shake sinners. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved, the prayer of my heart would be that even this morning in this meeting that God would shake you. You'll remember there was a king by the name of Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5 and it was there where he was drinking and mocking the things of God and the handwriting came on the wall. And you know, dear men and women this morning, you can only play with the things of God for so long. You can only mock the Lord for so long. And here was Belshazzar. He was belittling the Lord. He was mocking God. But there came a day when God intervened. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're saved and you're living in sin, you can hide it, you can deny it, you maybe even can try to ignore it. But there's coming a day when the finger will come with the handwriting of God upon the wall. It was there with that king with all of his gold, with all of his money. It says that his loins were loosed and his knees shook, smote one against another. And there that man, he was shaken by God because of his sin. I pray this morning, if you're here, and whether you're lukewarm or whether you're not saved, that God will begin to shake you. You'll remember away over in Acts chapter 24, it was there when Paul was preaching in front of Felix, and he preached on righteousness, on temperance, and on judgment to come. And it says that Felix, he trembled. He shook in the presence of God. My dear men and women, it's been a long time since we've seen unsaved people shake in the presence of God. But we need again to see men and women tremble under the power and under the word of God. Men and women that will weep their way to the foot of the old rugged cross. And let me tell you, whenever that happens, you'll never, never, never be the same again. For God to shake people, to shake them. You'll remember in Acts chapter 16, it was there when Paul and Silas was in prison and they prayed and they sang praises unto God and it says that God shook the prison and the doors were opened and every man's bands were loosed. My dear men and women this morning, there's so many, maybe even in this meeting, and you're in the prison house of sin, held captive, bound. There's no liberty, no power, no victory, no joy. My dear men and women this morning, God can open the prison house. He can loose the bands and he can set men and women free. I believe that. 
Maybe that's exactly where you are. Maybe there's sin has come into your life and it started small and insignificant and this morning it has robbed you of your joy. It has robbed you of your walk with God. You're not enjoying God the way you used to and you need to be shaken this morning. And God is the God that not only speaks and he's not only the God that saves, but thank God he's the God that shakes. The shake. But not only do you read in the Bible of sinners being shaken, you'll discover something about saints being shaken. And I'm sure every single one of us in this meeting would confess that there's times in our life when we need to be shaken. Now just give me your attention this morning. Don't worry about anyone else around you because God has got something to say to you. You'll remember way back in Ezekiel 37. You'll remember it was there where God took Ezekiel and brought him into a valley. And it says there was a valley. It was full of dry bones. There was many bones. And they were very dry. And Ezekiel, he began to prophesy. And it says in the word of God that there was a noise. And then the bones began to shake. My dear friends, this morning you could be in this hall and you could be like a scorched bone in the valley of Ezekiel 37 and you're dry and you're barren and you're cold and you're maybe here out of formality and it's good to see you, but God is not real to you anymore and you've went back into the things of the world. You've lost your place with God. You've lost the fire. You've lost the passion. You've lost the desire. And God maybe could look down into this valley this morning and he could say there's many bones and they're very dry. And it was then when Ezekiel began to prophesy that there was a shaking. Maybe you and I need to be shaken out of our coldness. Maybe you and I, we would need to be shaken out of our apathy and lukewarmness, our visionless, prayerless, passionless, coldless life. For God to shake us. I wonder this morning, are you content with where you are with God? I wonder this morning, are you content or am I content with going through with God. It wasn't until these bones were shaken that life came. And for God to shake us once again that we would have life. Go through the book of Jeremiah and you'll discover that the greatest woe that was pronounced upon the children of Moab is that they were at ease from their youth. They had not been emptied from vessel to vessel. They had rested on their lees. You get a bottle of orange juice sometimes and you'll see you'll see the little fragments at the bottom of the bottle and it needs to be shaken it needs to be disturbed before it's of any use my dear men and women this morning if you or I are going to be of any use to God you and I need to be shaken in the hand of God it was Vance Havner who said many many years ago when God brought the church to birth he stuck a label on the side of it and said shake well before use I tell you, dear men and women, we've got so used to the Laodicean and spirit in the church. We've got so used to a low level of spirituality. We've got so used to our carnality. We've got so used to our worldliness. We've got so used to putting God in the back seat. And for you and I to get into the front seat, we've been so God... To so used to dictating to him instead of obeying him. We've got so used to it. But whenever God begins to shake a man or woman, whenever God puts his hand, whether a young man or a young woman, and begins to shake them and say, I have something for you to do, and I'm going to disturb you. I don't want you to be cold anymore. I don't want you to settle on your lees. I don't want you to settle down into normal Christianity. I want you to do business with me. That's where you and I need to be. 
That's what God has saved us for. That's why the Lord Jesus died. The Lord Jesus died not to give us carnality or lukewarmness. The Lord Jesus died to give us victory and power and joy and victory over the enemy. That's why he died. That's why we sang it this morning. I don't even believe most of you believed it whenever you sang it. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And to have that victory with God, to go through with him. I wonder, would that need to be the prayer of your heart this morning? Lord, it's all right to search me, and it's all right to show me, but God, will you shake me? Shake me. Whenever you and I began to get shaken by the hand of God, whenever the Lord begins to shake us out of all of our formality, and out of all of our apathy, and out of resting on our knees, men and women all around us this morning are dying. There are souls this morning that are perishing. Men and women going over the precipice into eternity. And you and I have the message of the gospel. You and I are the salt of the world, and salt is of no use until it's shaken out of the salt cellar. And you and I, we need to be shaken by the hand of God. That's exactly what happened to Moses. Whenever you read this context here in Hebrews chapter 12, whenever he was up on top of Mount Sinai, it was whenever God came down and it says that the rocks, they burned with fire and God shook the mountain. And Moses could say that I exceedingly shake. I'm afraid of God. He shook like a leaf in the presence of an almighty God. You know, dear men and women, we have got so chummy with God. We need again a baptism of the fear of God. We need again to discover who he is, that he's not a phantom, that he's not a make-believe, that he's not some God that men have brought up in their imagination, but he's the God of all eternity, the Alpha and the Omega, and we cannot tell him what to do. The Almighty God, if God was to come this morning into this hall, we, every single one of us, preacher included, would be prostrate on our face before him. We would never, never, never be the same again. You'll remember in Acts chapter 4, when the people prayed, it says that God shook the place where they prayed for God to shake. I wonder, do you need shaking this morning? I wonder this morning, as you look out over a dying world, does it no longer affect us? Does it no longer trouble us? Does it no longer concern us, the state of the world and the sickness of the church? Or have we just rested on our knees and we'll sing and we'll pray and go about our business, but it doesn't really disturb us? My dear men and women, I want to go through with God. And I believe that there's those in this meeting this morning and God wants you to lay down all of your ambitions and all of your desires and all of your goals and all of the great desires that you have for your life, and to go through with God in the last remaining days or months or years of your life. Go through with God. Thy vows to pay, and all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest, and bring thee into God's very best. I want the best this morning. I want to go through with Him, and get what He wants for you and I to have. So you can see the Scriptures talks about things that were shaken, things that are being shaken, things that will be shaken. But you know, the Bible also talks about things that shouldn't be shaken. Whenever Paul was writing to the believers at Thessalonica, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, Be not now soon shaken in mind. Now there could be believers here this morning, and you know all about the troubles, and you know all about the storms, and you know all about the sicknesses, you know all about the difficulties in your life. 
And you're maybe here this morning and you've been shaken in your mind. That word shaken is a word to do with water. It's a word to do with waves. Whenever waves are in a storm and the waves, they rise and they fall and they rise and they fall to be shaken to and fro. And you could be here this morning and the enemy has attacked you, whether in your home, whether in your mind, whether in your family, whether in your marriage, whether in your business, whether in your work, and you're shaken this morning to and fro. And here's a word from God to your heart. Be not now soon shaken in mind. I'm glad that the one that calmed the sea on the Galilee can still calm the storm today. I'm glad that the one who commanded the raging waves and the howling wind as he stood in that boat can still command the waves and the wind to cease today. I'm glad that the one who commands the raging of the waves and the raging of the wind down through the centuries of time, thank God he's still the same today. I don't know what you're in. I don't know what problem you're here with this morning. I don't know what's in your mind. Maybe you're here and you've just made it here and nothing more. And I want to tell you, dear friends, this morning, be not now soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled. You'll remember whenever the Lord Jesus stood in that boat and it says that the boat was filled with water and he stood and he commanded the wind and the waves to cease and the disciples said, what manner of man is this that the very the wind and the waves they obey him. Oh, praise God this morning. Things that can be shaken. Things that shouldn't be shaken. But I want to close this meeting this morning by talking to you about three things that cannot be shaken. Three things that will never, never, never be shaken. If you cast your eye to the end of verse 27, it says that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And while you at times may be shaken, shaken in her mind, shaken in her walk with God, you know what it is to have a circumstance. Whenever that lorry hit me a few months ago, I was shaken. It takes a while getting over it. And maybe there's some circumstance in your life and it has shook you. And there's times in all of our lives when our confidence is shaken. There's times in our lives whenever our walk with God is shaken. There's times in our lives whenever our very minds are shaken. But I want to close this meeting by talking to you about three things that can never, never, never be shaken. The first thing that can never be shaken is the authority of the Word of God. This book that we have in front of us this morning, and I trust that you read it, I trust that you get alone every day and get on your knees and read this, this book. I trust that you enjoy getting into the pages of this book. I trust that you spend time every day turning the pages and reading the Word of God, that this book becomes honey to your mouth and food to your soul. I trust this morning that you're a man or woman that's in the Word of God, this book that's inspired. This word is infallible, inerrant, indestructible, incorruptible. The word of the living God. Thank God it will never, never pass away. There's the permanence of this word. You remember what Peter said? Peter said that the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Men have tried to deny it. Men have even tried to delete it and to destroy it and to dilute it and even to dissect it. But thank God the word of God standeth sure. It was Voltaire, that atheist, 
Over in France, he said, whenever he died, a hundred years after I die, he says the Bible will only be a museum piece. Men will not read it. Men will not want it. A hundred years after Voltaire died, the French Bible Society bought his home in Paris and they used it as their depot to publish the Word of God and to send it out through all of France. My dear men and women, the critics will come, the skeptics will come, but I'm glad the Word of God stand assured. I'm glad this morning that we're standing on the Word of the living God. Four times in Psalm 119, you'll discover that little phrase, Thy Word is the first one in Psalm 119 is thy word is forever settled in heaven and the gales may blow and the critics may come but the Lord Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word shall never pass away. The word of God is a a living word. I don't know this morning, maybe you've had the experience and maybe that's where you are today. Whenever you read this book, it's maybe a dry book. Maybe you've been reading it this morning and you said, Stephen, I didn't get anything out of the Word of God this morning. My dear men and women, whenever you and I can get into the place with God and we confess our sin and stay close to God, this book is a living book. It's not only a living book, but I'm glad it's a lasting book. This Word that we have in front of us this morning will never, never pass away. That's what will never be shaken. The the permanence of the Word of God. I'll tell you another thing about this book that will never be shaken. is the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word. He upholdeth all things by the Word of His power. This book that we have this morning is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. A two-edged sword doesn't have any blunt areas on it. And whenever you and I get into the Word, whenever you and I are feeding on the book, my dear men and women, it'll correct us, it'll, it'll instruct us, it'll guide us, it'll show us it's a lamp onto our feet, it is a light onto our path. It's the Word of God that's not only permanent, but I'm glad this morning it's powerful. The Bible says that where the Word of the King is, there is power. I've never received a letter from Boris Johnson. I've never received a letter from the Queen. But in this book, 66, 66 books of the Bible, I've got a word from God to my soul. And so have you. And I trust that you read it every day. I trust that you enjoy this book. That it's not a chore. That it's not just something that you do. But to delight thyself in the law of the Lord and meditate day and night therein. My dear men and women, as I look down in front of you this morning, I'll just be honest, there's so many of you here and you look as if you're sad. You look as if you're defeated. You look as if you're struggling and you look as if you're battling your way through the, the, your existence in life. If you want to be strong, if you want to have victory in your life, if you want to enjoy God, I'll give you a secret. It's the only secret. It's to read the Word of God, to digest it, to meditate upon it, to feed upon it, to get it into your very soul. We have a generation in the church today that is anemic in the Word of God. Absolutely anemic. We know John 3.16 and we know another few verses here and there. But my dear men and women, we need to be like the Bereans that search the Word of God diligently daily. It was the Word of God that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. 5,000 souls were saved. It was the Word of God that Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7. And the men and women that heard him were cut to the heart. 
It was the word of God that Paul preached in Asia Minor and he turned the world upside down. He didn't have testimonies. He didn't have gimmicks. He didn't have television or DVDs. He just had the word of God. And I tell you, dear men and women this morning, the word of God is still as powerful now as it was then. It was the word of God that the reformers used. It was the word of God that Tinsdale translated. It was the word of God that John Knox, whenever he came from Europe, way back in the start of the Reformation, and he preached his first sermon over there in Perth in Scotland, and he preached with so much authority and so much power that men and women in the church, they rose up and there was a riot in the church. They got hold of the altars and the images of Mary, and they broke them down and they marched to Edinburgh, and they turned Scotland back to God on the word of the living God that liveth and abideth forever. I'm glad this morning that the word of God is just the same today. I wonder, are you in the Word of God? I wonder, are you enjoying the Word of God? I wonder, are you like Ezekiel and Jeremiah who feed upon the Word of God? The permanence of the Word will never be shaken. The power of the Word of God will never be shaken. I'll tell you something else that will never be shaken. The prophecies of the Word of God. I'm glad this morning that we've got a sure word of prophecy. What He has said, that will He do. My dear men and women, this morning we shouldn't be coasting ourselves through life. We ought to be feeding ourselves upon the Word of God. The power will never be shaken. The permanence will never be shaken. The prophecies will never be shaken. I'll give you one more. And I'm full this morning. I'll tell you the promises will never be shaken. Oh, maybe God has given you a promise. Whether it's for your family, whether it's for your health, whether it's for your work. And it it seems to be far, far away from being fulfilled. But Paul said, all the promises of God are in him. Yea, and in him. Amen. Whenever Solomon was dedicating the temple away back in 1 Kings chapter 8, he says, he hath not failed one word of all his good promises. It was Abraham, that man that was called out of the air of the Chaldees. Read about it in Romans chapter 4. It says that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, having full confidence that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. My dear men and women this morning, God is able to keep his word. God is able to fulfill his promise. God is able to do what he said he would do. But not only will the word of God or the authority of God never be shaken. Secondly, and very quickly, I want you to listen to this. The sovereignty of God will never be shaken. I'm glad this morning, no matter what Putin does or what what elections will happen in May, I'm glad that there's one on the throne. I'm glad that there's one that's in control this morning. I'm glad that the one that has saved me and kept me and blessed me, he's on the throne in glory. You'll remember whenever John seen that vision in Revelation chapter 4. He says, Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. Four times you'll discover that phrase, The Lord reigneth. He's in control. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6. It was there where he saw Uzziah dethroned because of his sin. It was there where Uzziah tried to do what he wasn't allowed to do. And it was there where God smote him with leprosy. And the throne of Israel was vocated. And it was an empty throne. But in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, sitting upon 
a throne. And while Israel had no king on the throne, I'm glad that there was one that was still on the throne in heaven. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end. He rules in supreme authority. He rules in absolute reign. Men and women would love to dethrone him this morning. Men and women will allow God to be a God of love. Men and women will allow God to be a God of grace. Men and women will allow God to be a God of mercy. But whenever God climbs his steps and sits upon his throne, men gnash their teeth. But I want to tell you, God is on the throne. We sing it, God is still on the throne, and he will remember his own. And no matter if all the demons of hell and every atheist and agnostic was to rally against the throne of God at one moment in time and they were to try to take God off the throne and commandeer the throne of God, my dear men and women, there's an old preacher said years ago, you'd be as better trying to put out the sun with a water pistol, you'd be as better to try and conquer the rock of Gibraltar with a little pop gun than try to dethrone God from the throne of heaven. I'm glad this morning, while we're in the storm, while we're in the days of uncertainty, while God may shake the nations, while God may shake society, while God may shake everything that can be shaken, I'm glad there's a throne that will never be shaken. There he rules. You think of all the kingdoms that have come and gone. And if you cast your eye on down for a moment or two there to verse 28, it says, a kingdom which shall not be shaken. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died, the one who rose again, I'm glad this morning that he has absolute sovereignty, sovereignty upon sovereignty, and I'm glad this morning that he and he alone is in control. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journey run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till sun and moon shall shine no more. And there the Lord Jesus Christ this morning is upon the throne, unrivaled in his majesty, unlimited in his power, unmatched in his dominion. We sing it at times here, appended down during the week, crown him the Lord of peace, whose power and scepter sways from pole to pole that wars may cease and all be prayer and praise. Crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, inevitably sublime. In Revelation chapter 19, it says that hallelujah, the Lord omnipoteth, reigneth, let us rejoice and be glad. And no matter where you are this morning, whatever you're fighting, whatever valley you're in, whatever burden you're bearing, my dear men and women, if you're saved, there's one who's on the throne and thank God he's in control. He'll never be taken from the throne. He'll never have a throne that's commandeered by another. The one who knows all things and sees all things. The one who's in control in the good days. The one who's in control in the bad days. The one who's in control in the days of plenty and in the days of poverty. The one who has the hand of divine hand behind everything, working and planning and scheming that he may get all of the glory. It was Spurgeon who said, There is no attribute of God more comforting to the saint than that of his sovereignty. Whether in the storm or in the trial, to know that God has not only allowed it, but he has planned it, and he is in control of it. It was that lovely 
poem that was penned many years ago, not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly, will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why the dark threads are just as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. My dear men and women, if you're saved this morning, thank God that there's one who's in control and his hand is working and planning and scheming. And where you are this morning, you say, God, how are you getting the glory out of this? I can't answer you this morning, but all I know that he does everything that he may get the glory. It was W.F. Lloyd who said, My times are in thy hand. My God, I leave them there. My life, my friends, my soul, I leave entirely to thy care. My times are in thy hands. Why should I doubt or fear? My father's hands will never cause his child a needless tear. And there's a throne this morning. And the one who's on the throne, he's crowned with many diadems, stacks of crowns upon his throne, says Revelation 19, that there was many crowns upon his head, sovereignty upon sovereignty upon sovereignty. And no matter what the nations may do, no matter what the critics may say, no matter what schemes the atheists may have, no matter what the devil and all of his demons may try to do, my dear men and women, there's one that's on the throne, and I'm glad that he's there to stay. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is he on the throne of your heart? Because it's all right me here this morning telling you where he is and what he can do, but he wants to be the supreme ruler of your life. He wants to have the supreme control of your your being. And that's why so many of the people of God never enter into the joy, never enter into the blessing, because they set parameters in their life and say, Lord, I'll do this for you. I'll get baptized. I'll remember you now and again whenever it suits me. I'll go to the prayer meeting when it suits me. I'll read the Bible when it suits me. I'll do these things whenever it suits me. My dear men and women, whenever you surrender to God, put your life on the altar, and you make him Lord of your life, lock, stock, and barrel from the top of your head to the crown of your foot, and he He's not only the throne, on the throne of the universe, but you make him on the throne of your life. It's then that you get victory, joy, and power, and you'll have blessing in your life. And it's because so many, even here this morning, you have him as Savior, but you haven't made him Lord. You've never surrendered. You've never yielded to his absolute authority, absolute dominion, and absolute power. There's still a bit within you here this morning, and you're fighting for the right to have this in your life. You want to have this little area of your life where you can still be on the throne. My dear friends this morning, if you want to be on fire for God, let it go, and let God take absolute dominion, absolute control of your life. Give it all over to God, no matter what it is, whether it's worry, whether it's doubt, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's your business, whether it's your desires, whether it's your popularity, give it over to God. There was a preacher in England many, many years ago. There was a young man and he was seeing souls. He was seeing the blessing of God upon his life. And other preachers went to see him, called him by his name and says, how is it that God is using you more than us? 
And that small little man, that small preacher, he wasn't on the road too long. He said, men, you talk about surrendering God, but there was a day in my life whenever I did it, and I do it every day, and God has taken me, and he's beginning to use me because he's on the throne of my life. My dear men and women, if Paul could turn the world upside down in 30 years with the same Bible that we have, if men and women could bring the Roman Empire to naught with the same Bible that we have, could you and I not turn Ireland back to God? Do you not think that you and I, if we were surrendered and yielded and open to God, that he could use you and I just the same? But there's so many of us, we have areas in our life where we say, I want to be God of that little area. I don't want God to take control of that area. That's my little area. That's my little dominion. That's where I can sit on the throne. My dear men and women, let me say it to you again. If you want to do anything for God, lift the latch of your will and say, Lord, here I am. Take me everything, Lord. Whatever the cost, whatever the price will be, Lord, take me, use me. I surrender to you. Whenever you begin to pray like that, God will come. God will come. It's not enough just to see him on the throne in glory. It's not enough to have him, see him there with his dominion over the nations. He wants absolute dominion and authority over his people. Now, whenever that happens, my dear friends, you'll have no problem obeying the Lord in baptism. Whenever that happens, you'll have no problem obeying the Lord around his table. Whenever that happens, you'll have no problem tithing. You'll have no problem serving. Whenever you realize that it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. My dear friends this morning, let me tell you, do not waste your life. And if you're going to hold on to areas in your life where you want to be God of that area, God will allow you to do that. But you will die a believer. You'll get into heaven, but you'll have no victory. You'll have no power. And God will bypass you and he'll use some other little man that's totally surrendered to him. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God has for you. Finally and very quickly, the word of God, the authority of God will never be shaken. The power of it, the permanence of it, the prophecies of it, the the promises in it, Never be shaken. No matter what to say, no matter what to do, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. The sovereignty of God will never be shaken. While men and women may shake their fists at him, they may belittle him, they may reject him, they may try to even deny him, but God is still on the throne, sovereign and in control. But lastly, the sufficiency of Christ will never be shaken. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ, my dear men and women, died on the cross, he accomplished a work that day that will never, never be shaken. And I'm glad if we're saved, we not only have an anchor for our soul, but I praise God that we've got a rock for our feet. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Say that with me this morning. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm glad this morning if you're saved, if you can look back to a day in your life when you repented of your sin and were born again, I praise God it's a rock that'll never slip, it'll never sink, and thank God it'll never shake. I heard a story many years ago out in America, there was a flood, and there was a young boy, and he was out, and the the water, the torrent of water caught him away, and he was washed, washed downstream, 
The next day they found him and he was lying on top of a rock in the middle of the river. And he was shivering and he was cold. And the news reporters came to him and says, young man, he said, you must have been afraid. He said, I was absolutely terrified. He says, young man, you must have been shaking. He says, I was shaking all night. But he says, one thing that never shook was the rock that was under me. I praise God this morning, whether it's bad health, whether it's the devil, whether it's an attack in the home. Oh, praise God for the rock of ages. Hallelujah. I'm glad that I'm saved this morning. I'm glad there's one that will stand the test of time. And the Lord Jesus could point to himself and he says, On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not and cannot prevail against it. We've all heard the Lord Jesus described as the great shepherd, and thank God he is. He's the great shepherd of the sheep that leadeth the sheep. He's the great physician that healeth the sheep. He's the great king that ruleth the sheep. But way back in Isaiah 32, it says that he is a great rock in a weary land. A great rock. I'm glad for the great physician. I'm glad for the great king. I'm glad for the great shepherd. But oh, I'm glad this morning and I'm on a great rock. The rock of ages. It'll never slip. God could save his son. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a sure foundation. Do you know the hardest material in the world today is a rock by the name of Kimberlite. Some of you women maybe have it in your wedding ring. It's a diamond, what we call a diamond. That word diamond comes from a Greek word. It means to be invincible. My dear friends, this morning I'm glad that you and I that are saved, we're standing on a rock that's stronger than any diamond. It's the rock that'll stand the test of times. All other ground is sinking sand, but on the rock of ages will stand for all of eternity. Are you on the rock this morning? Are you on the rock? The great rock? And while the enemy has been accusing you, and while the devil has been attacking you, and while the storms have been rising, and while the gales have been blowing, oh, thank God for the rock, the rock, the rock of ages. It's a rock that will never shake. You'll remember what the psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And you could be in this meeting this morning or listening to me and your heart has been overwhelmed with trials and storms and health and all the rest of it. But oh, get to the rock that is higher than the problems, higher than the enemy, higher than all the accusations. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's unshakable. It's unmovable. It's unchangeable. Way over in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's a rock that's unmatchable. D.L. Moody, many years ago, was preaching a, a sermon, and he was invited by the head Atheist Society of England to preach at one of their meetings, and they got all the atheists of England, and they got them into this hall, and D.L. Moody climbed the steps, and they were wondering what they were going to say, this man that could hardly read, this man that could hardly write, And he got on to the pulpit and he opened his Bible and he turned to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and he used as his text, your rock is not as my rock. My dear men and women this morning, if you're not saved, if you're not on the rock of ages, get out of the sinking sand and get onto the rock Christ Jesus. He brought me up out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. Rock. And while at times you feel as if you're sinking, oh, bless his name, he'll never sink, he'll never slip, and he'll never slide. He's not only unshakable, 
And he's not only unmovable. He's not only unchangeable. He's not only unmatchable. Oh, thank God he's unbreakable. You and I can be broken. It doesn't take much to break us. But he'll never break. God could save his son. He shall not fail. And if you're saved this morning, I want to encourage your heart as I close. You're not only on a rock. You're in a book. And you're upon his palms. Way back in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49, it says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. It was many years ago that Thomas Dickinson lived in a little village in England. And as he was in his home one day, he heard the screams down the street. And he left his home and went down into the streets and he saw this house that was on fire and an inferno. And he looked and he seen a young man standing on the window and there was a metal downpipe and he climbed up the window and he climbed up, climbed up that downpipe and the heat, the heat almost melted his hands, it scorched his hands and he climbed up and with one hand he reached through and got the young boy and another hand he slid down that downpipe. That young man lost his mother and his father, his father and his two sisters that day. A number of months later, there was a court that was held in that little village. And the judge came and put the little boy up for adoption. Needed to get him a home. And there was men and women came into the courtroom and they says, well, we've got plenty of money, we'll be able to take him. There was others that had high education and says, we'll take the lad, we'll be able to bring him up in a good way. And one after another they came and they pleaded their cause. And then after an hour or so, the door opened. And Thomas Dickinson walked in and he says, I want the boy. Judge said to him, Sir, what right have you to take the boy? And he looked at the judge with tears coming out of his eyes and he says, Sir, with these I plead my cause. With these I rest my case. And he lifted his hands at Perscard as he went up the downpipe to save that little boy. And you know, dear men and women, I'm glad that there's one on the throne and his hands are scarred. His hands were nailed to the cross for you and I. And he says, I've graven you upon the palms of my hand. I've graven you there. Not just your name, not just everything about you. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Listen to this as a close. Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed. For I am thy God, and I will give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, I'll help thee, I'll cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of grief shall not thee overflow. For I will be with thee in trouble to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And while you may be shaken this morning, and while the devil may be whispering in your ear, and while this morning all could be crumbling around the world, society and all the rest of it, oh, my dear men and women, cast yourself on the rock, the rock of ages that will stand the test of time. Let us therefore by grace serve him with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The authority of the word will never be shaken. The sovereignty of God will never be shaken. The sufficiency of Christ will, will never, never, 
never be shaken. And that's why I'm so glad this morning that this world's not my home. I'm glad I'm looking for a city whose builder is God and it has a foundation. It's a good foundation. It'll stand the test of time. Now as I close this meeting, is it not about time that you surrender to the man that's on the throne? Is it not about time that you said, Lord, I haven't got long to go. I've been saved for 10, 20, 30 years and I haven't done much with my life. Lord, I want you to take everything. Because let me tell you, dear men and women, there's somebody here and you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. All your money, God's going to rattle it out of the way. All of your business, God's going to rattle it out of the way. Do business with God. And not only have him on the throne of heaven, but get him on the throne of your life. Get on the rock of ages.